Matthew chapter 7. I hope, my hope, okay, is to keep... Oh, my sweater says... Oh, yeah. And next, Alex, let me wear your sweater. I was cold outside. Now I'm quite warm, but I'm afraid... Like, this is, like, really tight. I might rip it when I take it off. Um, we'll see what happens, though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, Matthew chapter 7, though. And, I, and actually, uh, before we begin reading and before we begin talking, I, I, I just want to I want to pray again. Nothing, there's never a thing as too much prayer. Um, so would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Jesus, we pray that this night would be different than most nights. Um, and in one sense it is. It's a smaller group. But God, I want your word to be fresh. I want it to be real. God, help us to, to see your words here more as just a direct command, something, someone trying to micromanage your life. But help us to see this as a way of, of knowing you as Father. God, help us to see you in a new way, which would lead to worshiping you in a new way and enjoying you. God, like the words we sang in that song. Oh God, be my everything. Be my delight. And I pray, Lord, that these students would find you to be their delight. They would find you to be the one thing that keeps them up at night. That you would be the driving force behind all of their decision-making, all of their everything. God, I thank you that we can come to you and ask you for anything. And a closer walk is what we ask, God. A closer walk to you. So Lord, be glorified with these words and be glorified in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about prayer tonight, which is somewhat interesting because Jesus has already talked about prayer in this sermon. Um, I mentioned, I remember, maybe it was last week or a few weeks ago, but sometimes we have a challenge of car- compartmentalizing certain things that we hear, okay? We go by week by week by week, and so this week I'm going to focus on this. And I say this because I want to challenge you to think about everything so far that we've learned in Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes or the norms of what it means to be a Christian. You know, and... When I say the norm, isn't that, <clears throat> blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It seems like nowadays, if you are someone who is sexually pure, even inside the church, that you're a rare person. And in fact, Jesus is saying, no, this is the normal to be pure. Or to have an appetite for righteousness. Or to be meek. That is a normal principle that should be seen in all disciples. And then Jesus talks about you are the salt and the light of the earth, right? Now we are, as Christians, supposed to be people who have influence into the world. And he says, practice your righteousness, right? And he goes on to talk about this righteousness, which we can never really live up to. Because all of us commit adultery by just looking at people. And all of us actually kill people by being angry at them, and we can never truly have a righteousness of our own because we need Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, also, by the way, 
I told you to practice your righteousness, but then again, don't practice your righteousness. Don't be a hypocrite. And Jesus says, you know, in essence, your true religion is going to be that which is in private when no one is looking. What type of songs you sing between you and God, that is your true worship. What you pray about when it's just you and Jesus, that is really what your heart believes, right? To last week where Jesus says, hey, don't judge people until that time where you, you need to judge people, which is okay. Preach the gospel with everyone except for the people who are the pigs and the dogs who are just so unwinsome and mock the gospel. Don't preach it to them. And Jesus wants to develop discernment. He wants you to be able to think. He wants you to, to think about what does it really mean to be a disciple in Christ's kingdom. And when we think about prayer, um, Today in church, you know, we, we kind of talked about this, this National Day of Prayer. And the whole month, you know, the church is doing this emphasis on prayer. And um, there was this little, I called it a homework assignment because it, it felt like it was, where the church asked the four pastors, Pastor Carl, Pastor Steve, Aaron, Tyler, to send out these little prayer devotions to the church. And I'm assuming none of you listen to it because you don't, probably don't get the church's email um, but it was sent out to a lot of adults, right? And, and I'm sitting there like, you want me to talk for five to seven minutes? That's a huge problem. Do you know why that's a huge problem? Because if I'm going to say like, any thought, I need at least 12 to do that. <laughs> like, um, I remember my seminary professor was like, hey, Aaron, you need to talk for 25 minutes. I'm like, that's going to be a problem. He's like, why? You don't have enough information. No, I mean, I got to trim like 45 minutes down to 25 that's my problem. And so I'm thinking about, okay, what can I say that is somewhat even helpful that, you know, people I know are just going to, like, zoom through this, and what can I say in five, and it ended up being, like, eight and a half, closer to nine, which is the best I can do. I swear it was the best I can do. And you know what kept coming up in my thoughts and what I was thinking about was the Lord's Prayer. Maybe because we had talked about it a month ago, a month or so ago, or maybe because it's so important. I get emails, it seems daily, from the church's prayer request list, to which I would say 80% of them are all health-related. I don't really know what to think about that, and I guess I don't even have enough thoughts to say, but something, part of me feels something wrong about that. Um... And I have to be reminded, what does the Lord's Prayer say? It says that I'm praying to my Father. It says I'm actually praying to someone who I can have a relationship with. But you know what? It also says that I need to learn how to pray, asking that God would conform my will to His, right? What did Jesus say? It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we have to remember this before we pray. When you pray to God, when you, when you go and you ask Him for things, God, I really want an A on this chemistry test. Or God, I really want to get accepted to this college. Or God, I really need this scholarship to work for, for me. And God, I, I really want this girl to like me. Like, we, we, we need to remember when we pray that we have to ask God to conform our will to His. 
And then what? What, what? We talked about this a month ago. We need to pray for our basic needs. Not necessarily the things we want, but the things that we need. We need to go and tell God that, right? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. We need to pray that God would help us avoid temptation. And that is, Jesus is pretty much saying, this is the way you should pray. Praying that God would change your will into his. You know, I, I was recently reading something by Tim Keller, and he's saying when you pray, you should argue with God. And by that, what he's saying, he's saying when you're praying for a request, you need to be able to tell God why you think this prayer should be answered. I promise you, if you think about that, if you, th- if you, if you come to God with a, a huge prayer request, and you try to tell God why you think this prayer request should be answered, I'm assuming that a lot of these prayer requests we have are going to be more so desires that we have and not needs. I say all this, and, and I, I, I spend a lot of time in my introduction, because there is something, sometimes Christians, we forget that is very vital. The most basic assumption about prayer that we forget. It's one word, okay? And this is what I think Jesus is talking about mostly in this passage we're looking at. One word that we need to remember when we come to God in prayer. Ask. When we come to Jesus and God our Father in prayer, we simply at times just need to ask. Look at Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. You see, God is not like our parents. You know, I'm, there's times in high school, and maybe I'll be honest, I sometimes do it now, where I'm trying to get my mom's attention. Do you know what I do? She'll be like talking to my dad or brother. Hey, mom. Mom, 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 ma, ma, mommy, mommy, mom, mother, mother, mom, 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 ma, ma, ma. Aaron, what? Where's the milk? You know? Like, you know, imagine a little kid, you know, it's like uh, going up to his, his mom, and the mom's clearly having a conversation, and he's like pulling, you know, like, Mom, where are we going to leave? Church is boring, you know, and if they're small enough, the parents will say, I'm talking right now, you need to be able to, you know, hold yourself and wait until, you know, like, everyone has seen that, I'm sure, a few times, and maybe you were notorious for being that as a little kid. Something I love about the fact, when I, when I think about what Jesus has said already in the Sermon on the Mount about prayer, that one, he is our Father, and two, now he says to ask. Simply ask. There are times where I've been a Christian where the only times for, I would say, maybe even a couple of weeks, the only time I said a prayer was before a meal. Um, I'm not proud of that. I wish that wasn't true, but in essence, my prayer life consisted in, God, I thank you for this meal. You're great. Amen. 
not intimate, not personal, not confessing sin. But you know what's funny? When I, when I come back to prayer, it's not like you've been gone for you for a month and you walk in and I'm like, dude, what the heck you been, man? What's going on, you loser? Get your priorities straight. Do you know what God does? Oh, you're back. You're back. Awesome. So there's two things that Jesus wants us to know when it comes to asking God is that we need to pray earnestly and pray believingly. You something about prayer you have to understand. Think about the Apostle Paul for a second, right? There's this passage, this really interesting passage in 2 Corinthians where Paul says that he has a thorn in his flesh. There are a myriad of opinions and views on what this thorn in the flesh was. It could have been something physical. It could have been demons tormenting him. I like the, um, the view that this is probably his eyesight and he's going partially blind. And guess what? Paul says he prayed to the Lord three times to take away this thorn in the flesh. And what happened? God never took it away. And in fact, we have this really great passage where when Paul prayed this, God said to him, no, because in your weakness, my grace is sufficient. There is power in weakness. And sometimes we have to know that when we ask God for things in prayer, God is going to say no. I wonder sometimes, God, I, I am praying for something that is of the kingdom value. I am praying for a missionary right now who is in jail for his faith. I'm praying for your kingdom to be established. I'm not praying for my desires right now. I'm praying that the gospel may be spread out. The nations might hear the name of Jesus. That pastor's still in prison. And sometimes I have to know, I have to believe that God knows better than me. So pray earnestly. If you notice, there's a progression here, right? Um, you have, what is it? Um, a seeking, or an asking, and it will be, be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Do you understand how, how, I guess, how wonderful those words are? Knowing that the creator of the universe tells you this one thing when you're in need of something you simply need not to worry but come and ask something I have found in the Christian life is that most believers and I, I would even assume for some of you sitting here if not majority of you that there's a fine line between being content with God and being complacent First Timothy talks about how godliness with contentment is great gain, that we are satisfied with what God has given us, that we don't need to chase the things of this world, but the fact that we are saved and his children, that is enough and that is great. But also, there's a sense in which complacency. Some of us, at some point in time, develop a very pessimistic view of God. Let me illustrate it this way. When you were a kid and you're writing out your whatever Santa Claus wish list of toys, right? And mostly at some point you knew you're writing to your parents. But you're writing out your Christmas list, right? And you obviously you'd always start with like the cheap toys first, the cheap things, and then you at 
the bottom, you'd write in the big expensive things, hoping that they get those cheap things first, and then they'd have some more, ah, uh, I guess we'll go past the budget a little bit and get these things too. But you always knew there was like a limit to how what you could really ask for. Like when I was like four or five, I think I watched Richie Rich and I wrote down like, I want a swimming pool, I want a roller coaster, I want my own dinosaur, you know? <laughs> but next year when I got a bunch of nerfs and some rollerblades, I kind of realized that the whole roller coaster thing probably is not going to happen. So I got a little more realistic within like what I thought was coming my way, right? So maybe the next year I just wrote down, I don't know what we asked for as kids, a bike or something. Oh, I do remember those. <laughs> do you remember those? Moon shoes. What was a good present as a kid? I don't know. When I was a teenager, my parents got me a drum set and a guitar and skateboards. <laughs> Anyways, sometimes, sometimes when we go to God in prayer, we set, we set a limit on God. We think, like, God, God is only going to, like, really answer this much. If I ask this much, he's, he's not, if I, if I ask God to do some crazy thing, why don't, I'm not even going to hold my breath. I'm not going to ask for some miracle. I'm not going to ask that some person, you know, gets resurrected from life. But in one sense, we, we kind of limit God. Do we believe that when Jesus says, ask, that he means it? Ask and it'll be given to you. Here's our problem. You want to know what our problem is? Our problem is that 80% of our prayer requests are about medical things. Maybe 80% of your prayer requests are about school. Or maybe 80% of your prayer requests are about your comfort. Or 80% of your prayer requests are just about money. When you think about your prayer life, if you pray... Does it look like the Lord's Prayer? Are you asking God to bend your will to His? You see, here's something you have to understand about prayer. Prayer is not designed to change God's mind. You are not trying to convince God to do something when you pray. But when you pray, it is to give God glory. Jesus even says it in Matthew chapter 6. God's not surprised by the things you need. God knows everything you need before you even pray. But to pray earnestly still. Why? Because God will give it. Because ask and it will be given to you. And so when we come to prayer and we ask God for things according to his will and, and seeking our basic needs and seeking God's kingdom, we need to actually believe that God will answer. We need to pray with an earnest heart. We need to pray that I'm not changing God's mind, but I'm actually trying to bring these requests to God. Do you know why? It's when I was praying for direction for my future, right? Just like many of you are at this point. I was a senior in high school. I, and to be honest, this was my, this is my dream. Like someone, like, I was at a, my high school counselor's office, and they gave me a piece of paper and say, write down what you want to do in life. Like, and it started out a few things you liked and what you're passionate about, and you eventually come to, up to, with this sentence. And this is my sentence. I want to talk about Jesus with high schoolers while skateboarding all day. I wanted to go 
wakeboarding and skateboarding all day and talk about Jesus. I guess I'll be a youth pastor. And maybe it was a little more developed than what I'm making it out to be. But it was very simple in the fact that, I, hey, I know that I love Jesus. I love the Bible. And I love hanging out with the dudes. And so, yeah. I, I want, so, Bible school? Question mark? God? Bi- Bible college? You know, and, and I, I, I tell you what, that was probably, to be honest with you, the season of my life where I prayed the most. And for a good majority of that, do you know what I was trying to do? Change God's mind. Trying to convince him why I should get a, an acceptance letter. I told this story, I think, to a few people the other day, and I guess it's part of me is why I'm bringing it up now. Um, my friend Nathan McKinnon, he was kind of similar to me. He would rather go, like, hunting and talk about Jesus all day and, and go hiking and stuff like that and fishing and talk about Jesus. So we kind of both wanted to be youth pastors. And to be honest, we grew up in this church where there's a high influence of this one particular college called the Master's College, which is influenced by this guy named John MacArthur. And it honestly seemed like that was the college that was designed for me. It was an hour and a half away from home. I knew people there. Like, tons of my friends from high school and youth group went there. Like, um, I even knew the dean personally. It just seemed like that was... That was the fit. I'm going to go to Masters. I love it there. It's close to home. And I said, no. I want to get as far away from California because it's going to break off the San Andreas Fault and it's going to go off in the ocean, like the movie trailer, right? I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to study. The, I wanted to go to a Bible college, not a liberal arts college. And so I'm telling my, my friend, Nathan McKinnon, who already got accepted as a Masters. He's living up to, our, to the expectations required of us. I said, Nathan, this school moody, it's tuition free, it's in downtown Chicago, man. Like, it's all about ministry. None of these, like, homemaker wives trying to, you know, just get the MRS degrees. Like, it's all about ministry, man. Which, by the way, the MRS degree is true of every Christian college. No one's excluded of that. Yeah, right. And so I, I, I turned my application in, like, two months in advance, right? Um, the deadline was like November 15th. It's like, it's in September. Boom, got it. Nathan, my friend, of course, he turns his application in like the day of. He gets a postmark for, for November 15th and he gets it in. And early acceptance letters come in January 15th. January 16th. I'm at Nathan's house and his mom's like, oh, Nathan, I got a letter. And he Opens his letter. Oh, I got it. He's all excited. Jumping up and down. I'm like, oh, I got to rush home. I got to get my letter. Go to the mailbox. Nothing. Ah, uh, weird. I guess I'll come tomorrow. Ditch school early to go home to the mailbox. Nothing. I'm like, okay, that's weird. This whole time praying. Listen, praying that God would change his mind, which is funny. Like, it's already kind of been decided. I don't know what you expect God to do, like change the ink on the paper. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, God, let me get in, let me get in, let me get in. Ten days go by. And I finally, like, nothing is coming. You know what, people, like my friend Nathan, are, like, telling people, like, yeah, I don't think Aaron got in, you know. Like, I think, that the, I think like, the, the people who didn't get in, they get a letter a few weeks later, you know. Um, and I'm starting to believe this, right? And I remember this one day, Thank God, I'm not going to rush home today. 
God, I have to believe, I have to believe, because what your word says, that anything you withhold is for my good. That God, I don't want to pray to change your mind. God, I want just to live for you. And God, I thought that meant going to the school to study the Bible, to do ministry. But God, you know, whatever you have for me. Um, so obviously the letter came, and I got in. And my parents didn't believe me until they read it for themselves. Um, also, they didn't believe me until I told them we were having twins, and like no one in my family believed me until they actually saw a picture of two little heartbeats. I don't know what that says. Like, I'm not a huge liar. <laughs> Something I learned is this, though. Um, my relationship to prayer is not to change God's mind, but it's to come to Him. And you know what? Guess what? Every time I think back to that story, I don't get to say, I got in. I get to give God all the glory. Why He made me wait those ten excruciating days... I'm still like working that one out a little bit, but I, I know for a fact that when we come to God in prayer, it isn't to change His mind, but it's to say, I, God, I need these things. I'm going to ask for these things. God, I need provisions to help me go on this mission trip. And when He does provide it, guess what? I asked that of you and you provided it. And now we get to thank Him for it. Here's a verse for you. If I can even find it. It's in uh, Zephaniah. Right? That's probably a book you don't turn to often. Zephaniah 1, 12. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lambs and I will punish the men who are complacent to those who say in their hearts, the Lord will do not good, nor will he do ill. Do you understand what that verse is saying? I'll read it one more time. I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. See, if we ever begin to think that God will not bless you, that God will not do great things in your life, what he's punishing people for is a complacency. It's to say, God, like, there are certain things I can pray for, but other than that, I just got to sit here and be content. Pray believingly. So he goes on to this story, and he talks about how um, even evil fathers know how to give their kids good gifts. Now, let me ask you guys a question, you know. Um, sometimes I struggle with this a little bit. Like, you say, oh, really, God? You're, really, you're just willing to give us anything we want because you're our Father? There are plenty of good things that I have prayed for. Plenty of things that were not just, hey, God, I want a million dollars. I'm not treating God like a genie, but you know, I'm praying for people to come to know Jesus. I pray for people, certain people, I pray for them every single day, and they still don't know Jesus. I pray for certain people to actually get well, and they never got well. I pray for someone to get over that horrible heartbreak and it still seems that life has never been quite the same there's a verse in Psalm 37 4 delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart I have met Christians who say I have delighted myself in Jesus and yet I still haven't gotten those things that I prayed for and there are a few things I want to say 
about that. First is that, listen, even Jesus did not get a yes to all the things he prayed for. Does that make sense? Jesus in the garden praying, Father, if there's any way, can you let this cup pass? Even Jesus didn't get a yes to everything he prayed for. Another thing is that it is for our profound good that God does not give us everything we ask for. Like, wouldn't it be funny if like everyone became what they first said they wanted to be in life? Like, you know, like you know, imagine like I remember first grade, like what do you want to be when you're when you grow up? I wanna be a ninja. Or I wanna be a pirate. I wanna be a dolphin trainer. You know, imagine like that's what you had to be, right? Um So, a, a quick, another story of my life, um, and I'm talking too long. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, this is supposed to be brief. There was, I, there was a time in my life where I dated my wife in high school, okay? Dated Amy in high school. Then there's a time where I didn't date her in college. Are we catching I broke up with her when I went to college. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm being blunt. Then there was another time in college where I met this nice young Christian girl. And she came from a great home, and her dad was a pastor. And I had foreseen maybe it would go somewhere, okay? And there was almost like this conversation that was between this girl and I that a lot of prayer will happen over the summer, and in the fall, we will see what happens. Um, after that conversation... I prayed a lot. All I got to say is this. Thank the Lord that he didn't answer that prayer. Uh, to think that I wouldn't have, like, one, my daughters, Abigail and Alina and Anna, and to think that if God answered that prayer, like, the five wonderful years of marriage that I've had with Amy, like, you know, and that poor girl, like, she was so confused. She came back for the summer, and I was dating my ex-girlfriend like um, I have to believe you know I, you might some, some of you might have even pray that prayer God I, I love this person I want them to love me God I want to marry them and like oh man there's a Garth Brooks song right it says sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers like we have to believe this one thing that when we pray God knows our ultimate good. There's, there's a, a story of the disciples, and they're actually catching on to this. Jesus says, ask anything, and it'll be given to you. And so do you know what James and John do? They take Jesus aside, and they say, Jesus, when you come in your glory, we want to be at your right and left hand. We want to be your top guys. Do you know what Jesus says to them? You do not know what you are asking. You do not know what you are asking. See, this, this fascinates me. Because you know what? As Christians, we're not just told to pray. We're expected to pray. God assumes that we're going to pray. And on top of that, God knows at certain times that what we pray for, Aaron, you don't know what you're asking. Aaron, you don't have all the facts. Aaron, if I answered that, that wouldn't be the best for you. 
So here's a theological principle that everyone, I think, can agree with. God is smarter than you. I think that, that one's pretty easy to get, right? God is smarter than you. So I'll, I'll leave it on, on this, these last couple of points. I said a lot of things, but hopefully this will help box it all up and you can take it home with you and hug it or something or actually live it out more so. When you pray for God's kingdom and you knock at his door and you ask and you seek, when you pray for God's kingdom, listen, God will always give good things. Prayer is not a model, but it is about a father. High schoolers, know this one thing. Prayer shows your faith and your desire. The amount of prayer you have in your life shows the amount of faith and desire you have for God. Little prayer shows little faith and desire. No prayer in your life shows no faith or desire. To say it in a different way, prayerlessness is unbelief. Do you believe that God is your Father? Do you know that the only way to make God your Father is to know Jesus as your Savior? We pray to give God glory. We pray to show God our need for him, to show him our desire. Prayer is hard at times, but it is essential to having a true relationship with God. Be public to all means of grace. I hope that means that you feel a sense that you want to be everything that this youth group has going on. That you want to be at the events. You want to go to the mission trips. You want to go to the retreats. I hope that's your desire. But you know what? I have a desire for all of you. For when you graduate and you go to college someday, or you go into the workforce in the military, that you actually know God. That you actually have a relationship with Him. I know sometimes you won't always have your Bible on you. Maybe if you have your phone, you will. But you know what? You can always pray. You know why? Because Jesus says sometimes the simplest thing you can do is to ask. To ask God. So why don't we do that now? Let's ask God. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would give us more faith and desire for Jesus. God, I pray that we would read these words and, and, and truly take you up on it. God, that we would come before your throne. God, help us to know that the amount of which we pray show, shows what our heart really is about. God, help us not to be like the hypocrites, God, who pray one way and yet live their life another way. Help us to not be like the babblers who just go on saying random things. But Jesus, help us to desire you. God, we live in a world full of things that are going to distract us. But God, help us to make appointments with you and to keep those appointments. Help us to wake up and to desire prayer. God, we know that is something we can't do on our own, so we ask you of it. God, we don't ask it so we can brag about how great of a Christian we are. 
God, we ask you because we want our wills to be conformed to yours. We want to give you glory in what we pray about. Thank you that you are a good father and that sometimes you withhold things from us. And Jesus, we thank you that we could have a relationship with God the Father through what you did on the cross. Thank you for all these high schoolers. Pray, Lord, that in this week they would find a new desire to serve you. In your name we pray. Amen.